All right, on today's episode, we do not talk about Ben's caboose. Ordinary to extraordinary, Ben's caboose. Yeah, I was talking about Ben's caboose. His, his pants make his butt look big today, and I told him. <laughs> One of the first things he said to me, so I mean, obviously he was looking at my butt. This, but, was, this wasn't going to be part of the podcast, but now that it's part of the introduction. Oh, part of it. So it is part of it. Today we talk about putting yourself in the proximity of your passion or what you're passionate about. And it was a pretty good discussion. Finding what you're passionate about and how we interviewed Tyler Lafferty a few weeks back and how his book, the idea of, hey, though you might have a particular idea of what you want to do, i.e. be a football player, maybe you're not cut out for that position, but maybe there's another position within the industry of football, within sport, that might be a better position for you, right? So working around the things that you're passionate about, i.e. the proximity principle with Mr. Ken Coleman again. So give it a listen. We love you. Yeah. Let's get to the show. Well, welcome to Ordinary Extraordinary. My name is Ben Clunt. This is my Scottish friend, Stephen Brown. We are recording in a different room, so I apologize if the acoustics are not great or you hear someone in the background. But, eh, thus is life. Stephen has had a rough couple of days. He's got his sad face on today. Stephen needs a hug. If you see Stephen... It's going to be a week or so late. You give him a hug. He needs a hug. Yeah. Especially if you're a pretty lady. Wow. You're just hooring me out. <laughs> well, you do enough of that yourself. I don't need to do wow, that for no, you. I <laughs> Jesus. Is our needs enemies with friends like you? <laughs> um, yeah, I've been a rough few days with work. Uh, nothing catastrophic. but No, just annoying more so. Certainly <laughs> issues to deal with. You know, that's part of... Of uh, that's part of work and life, though, right? We talked about it. It's like overcoming the struggles to lead to ultimate success, mm-hmm. and that's all part of it. Yeah, it doesn't feel good when you're in the middle of it, though. Yep, it doesn't. So, so we we don't have a, a fancy topic name yet. We might find one throughout this podcast, but essentially, <coughs> we are going to expand on a topic that we talked about with Tyler Lafferty a few weeks ago, and that he basically wrote a book about, which is the concept of... Yeah, you won't even have to read his book now. Well, <laughs> I, I haven't uh, yet. Shh, I will. I will. I told him I hadn't, and I would. I've got um, it. You can read it. Yeah. Um, but I think the concept is more, you know, early on in life, we're told to pick a job, pick a career. Yeah. And often we have our dream job, or we have our, our dream house, or we have our dream location to live. And instead of building towards it incrementally or even just saying, hey, this is the industry I want to live in. This is the area I want to live in. This is the climate I want to live in. Yeah. We have this preconceived notion of if I don't do this, I'm a failure. End of story. Done. (laughs) Well... I'm going to try and say this a little differently. A lot of people grow up thinking they're going to be one particular thing, i.e. a football player, an astronaut, you know, pick whatever career, like focused career that you are. It's very niche, right? When in reality, it's like they may love football, and that's why they want to be a football player, right? But within the arena, the business arena of football, there's a lot of different areas in which you could work, right? So what we want to talk about today is focusing on the industry and the arena versus just the particular position, right? And Tyler does a nice job of this in his book when he's talking about, uh, I think, God, I'm spacing out the kid's name. I think it's RJ. I'm sorry. But is focused on... Rory. 
Rory, thank you. Good lord. Good memory for not having read it. <laughs> it's CJ and Rory is what it is. <laughs> um, so Rory the kid is in engineering school right now trying to decide, right? Hey, good career path. Maybe not so passionate about it, but wants to go down, you know, the path of pursuing engineering. Great. Awesome. But really, true, the passion uh, is basketball, right? Well, I wanted to be a basketball player. It's like, well, why can't you work in basketball? Just because you can't be what you thought from a position standpoint doesn't mean you can't be amongst those people, right? And still get the passion. Like, I love entrepreneurialism. I am not, by probably definition, an entrepreneur, like in the traditional sense of the word, though I took a commission job, I built something, I get to work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I get to interview and be with a lot of entrepreneurs. You're so I get to be around. I've got the entrepreneurial spirit, I would say. You own rental properties, you're doing other things, you buy, you sell cars sometimes. You're an entrepreneur in every sense of the word. Okay, well, thank you. I will take it. But in my mind, I'm not necessarily that. But that's okay. I, I will t- I will t- go off Stephen's definition and say I'm an entrepreneur. But... I get to be around those people in by my definition of what an entrepreneur is. I get to be around them and I get to see it's like, that's the same idea, right? It's like mm-hmm. you were a football player. There's D Money Dave in the background, if any of you are listening and can hear him can yelling. You tell him to shut the hell up. <laughs> you don't tell Dave to shut the hell up. He gets louder. Watch He's me. like me. Hold my beer. Hold hold my beer. <laughs> We're not drinking beer right now. It's two thirty on a Monday. <laughs> PM. <laughs> but um Okay, almost three. Stephen had to look at his phone to see what time it was. Yeah. Yeah, we took a little while to get going today. So, Stephen, you are a good example of this as well, though, playing professional soccer well, to coaching. Yeah. Right? So, growing up, it was be a professional athlete or fail, right? That, mm-hmm. was, that was it. I wanted to play professional soccer, professional basketball. Um, a lot of people don't know that I'm actually a better basketball player than I am a soccer player. Um, and had opportunities to come here and play college basketball. Um, amongst other things and then thought about professional soccer back home and basically went to school instead but I got a sports science slash physiology um, accreditation shall we say from a college accreditation is that what you said? degrees are bullshit you know how (laughs) I feel about education now so yeah I have some some letters Um, bachelor Mm. of science BSc um, so yeah, I'm a Bachelor of Science in Sports Science and Physiology, did all that, and guess what? I don't do anything in the sports science field. I did, however, get to work in the professional soccer game when I came to the States. So I guess we'll get more into it, but yeah, I'm an example of I wanted to work in professional sports, and I did work in professional sports, but early on it was professional player, that was the only way to do so. Whereas I expanded into working with kids, working in the for a professional soccer club in Chicago and their academy program and dealing with some of the best players in the country and having access to professional players, professional coaches, um, and really working at a high level, an elite level yeah. within the game that I love. And as I say, so you were really passionate about this, but somewhere along the way, there was a shift, obviously, in passion, right? Because I mean, you're not you're not a coach anymore in, in football. You don't even coach. I don't anymore. coach soccer, but I yeah. definitely take a coaching approach to everything. To I life, do. Yeah. yeah. But you don't coach soccer anymore, which was your no. passion in the industry that you were passionate about. 
and you're in credit card processing. So what I'm going to ask in payroll, right? That's a massive shift, right? <laughs> this might be the wrong week to ask this question too. But it's like, what about your job are you passionate about? Like what about, if we're equating this back to the industry, you'd sell, you know, credit card processing services and payroll services. Mm-hmm. Like what about that ties back into an industry that you are passionate about? Or what, uh, you know, what in the job so are you passionate about? I'm passionate about helping people. And I'm passionate about leading people and not to sound like John C. Maxwell and say leadership and leaders and all this stuff over and over again. But I've always been a leader. I've always been that type A personality that either leads by example or leads with by example with title as well. So I can pinpoint the moment that my mind shifted and there's a duality here. So I was still working within the, so I've always been kind of a moonlighter I've never only had one revenue stream. So when I was working for the soccer company where I was coaching, I got offered a sales position twice. The first time I turned it down. And I turned it down because I'm a soccer player and a soccer coach. I'm not a salesperson. And Paul Lawrence, who is one of the, I think he's a CEO of Challenger Sports now. Um, and I probably should connect with him because I always used to get a lot of value with him and I've kind of lost touch. But he had a talk with me. He called me, and I was in Texas for a three months. I basically went to Texas to fix somebody else's mess. I got a phone call. Hey, coach screwed up. This is a big account. Can you show up? Coach the hell out these kids. Give them a good experience. Uh, at the end of that three months, there might be a, a different role. So I was down there in Texas, and Paul called me, and I turned it down at first. I don't want to be in sales. I had dreams at that point because I'd worked as a coach of being a college soccer coach in the USA. Um, that's still something that I would maybe dabble in down the road, but we'll, we'll hang that one on the peg until we get... College soccer coach. Yeah. There's no money in it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can be comfortable, I guess, but yeah. It's, Not the lifestyle you want to yeah. live, necessarily. So um, I turned down. Paul called me again. It was like a week later, and he said, hey, I want you to rethink about this. <laughs> and I was like, no, I said I'm a coach and I'm a, you know. Quit pushing me, Paul. I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> and he goes, I want you to think about everything you've done for this company for the last few years. He said, we've sent you to hundreds of towns where you spend a week, a month, three months, whatever it be. You've coached thousands and thousands of players. You've interacted with parents, stakeholders within the club. He said, you've always had rave reviews. He's like, you don't think you're selling? And I'm <laughs> like... <"Huh>? Raggy? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, I mean, it, it knocked the wind out of me. Like, Isn't that funny, figuratively? though? Because, But that's not selling in the traditional sense of the word. No. That's relational-based selling, exactly. right? Exactly. And there's a big difference, right? Because everybody associates selling with a transaction, mm-hmm. which is a misnomer, in my opinion. That's not that's not tr- that, That's the skeezy car salesman-type selling, right? So... So he said to me, he's like, so you're passionate about our product, right? You love what you do. And I was like, yeah. He's like, now imagine, he's like, and it's twofold. He goes, now you get to bring guys from the UK and send them out to do the same as what you've been doing. They become an extension of you. You get to lead them. You still get to coach. He's like, you can still work with a fire or whoever, because they were talking about the Chicago office. He's like, you can go and coach with the Chicago fire. You can do all that there as a dual employment right you work yeah. for them you work for us as long as your numbers are good no questions asked so i started thinking about it and i'm like all right 
yeah I can this could be fun I can migrate into this sales and it turns out I was pretty good at selling it as well so we sold camps clinics uniforms and I got to see pretty much the whole country so initially I covered the Midwest moved out here for the relationship brought the job with me took over an underperforming region here did the same thing here grew it helped it I mean I spent time in Alaska Oregon Mm -hmm. Wyoming like super remote places selling soccer camps and clinics but learned a lot of the skills that I use on a daily basis now presenting I mean I was on a stage and especially now in this mid-market and enterprise role I'm in I was selling to boards quite often so you've got multiple buying influences and you have to win them all over you can't just win one person over right so there was a skill set there that I didn't ever think that it was going to translate from there to credit card processing until such time as it was time to get out of soccer. Challenger Sports was wonderful, but it wasn't as lucrative as I would like it to be. So I was looking for grown-up jobs, and a, a lot of the guys had transitioned to pharmaceutical sales. I found Heartland by accident. I think I've told this story before. Yeah. Found Heartland oh, yeah, by I've accident and applied, interviewed, didn't have a fucking clue about credit card processing or payroll or anything else. Just like, wait, we charge a percentage? Okay, I can do that. And started le- leaning on people like, hey, you own a business, right? Yeah, well, I'm doing this new thing. Can I come talk to you? You like relationships. I think you like people, though, is, yeah. at the end of the day, right? Helping people, it, yeah. Is a people-oriented role. And, like, that's why you like it. Like, your industry is people. Because mm-hmm. if somebody said, hey, Stephen, go go to a desk in the corner and be a numbers cruncher, like, do the bookkeeping for this entity, like, you'd probably bash your head through a wall. I can do it. I'm good with numbers. <laughs> But yeah, it's not what. But I it's not do every your passion. Day. Yeah, we're not talking about what you're good at. Yeah, no. We're talking about what you're passionate about. I mean, essentially, I get paid to run around and meet people just now. Yeah, perfect job for me. Yeah, like because you're social. It's like me to some degree. Like, mm-hmm. like to be social. I couldn't just sit in a corner all day and do nothing. Like, I'd lose my mind. Yeah. It's like there has to be a social element to it and a people element to it, but also some critical thinking that goes into it, right? Yeah. With establishing the relationship and how you're setting up their point of sale system in your situation, right, and mm-hmm. all of that. But yeah, I and like there's it. a transition point. And but it's the chase of it too. Just so you, you and know, I like the chase. I'm also now in a position, and I'm really well positioned to do it. Um, that I'm engaged with um, professional sports teams again, and I'm pursuing yeah. professional sports teams as customers, whether it be ticketing venues. So you're getting back um, around to your passion. Yeah, I'm coming back round and. And I'm perfect for it, right? Because I'm yeah. coming in with a working knowledge of what they do on the field, the business side. I, I feel like the exposure I've had to a sports business, because sports aren't good business models for the most part. We see the NFL, we see the NBA, we see the NHL, we see all these, you know, whether it's English Premier League and things like that. We see the best of the best. But for the most part, sport isn't. The club um, teams or not. Yeah, no. but it's not a... It's so much more of sport is a labor of... Pa- a passion of labor or labor of love or... Labor of yeah, love, that's labor it. labor of love. You're yeah. doing it because you love it, right? Yeah. Minor league teams rarely make profit. It's more like a break-even thing, but we're doing it for the community. So now I... Understanding that and knowing that the margins are so skinny in sport, now I'm able to come in and help people with products that can streamline things, make things more... 21st century you know so one of the things we're talking about right now without going into too much detail is basically phones and cards only being accepted at stadiums so completely cash free 
So hmm. how does that play into the experience of it? Which would be great for the credit card it? processor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you think it's the revenue that's going through some some venues, even concerts and ticketing and yeah, merchandise. Yeah, big money. Concessions. Big. So it's just, I'm still in the sports business. Do they, do they do that purely place. because it's just a quicker turnover, like quicker turnaround? with Like why be no cash when you got to pay 2 or 3% on a credit card? Like I don't COVID. Everybody's thinking contactless payments now. But okay. even before that, yeah, I mean, mobile wallets are the way forward for one yeah. of them. Uh, so Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, um, you know, there's other things like Venmo, Venmo yeah. and PayPal. Yeah, They're yeah. all accepted in a lot of places. Now, we're in Spokane, Washington, and there's a lot of places that don't even do Apple Pay yet. Mm-hmm. But you go to larger metropolitan areas and a lot of Apple Pay. cashless is, is the way. But there's, you know, now that we're sufficiently we, we have one but I place, like it. We have one place here in town just down across the street from your old office, the uh, Putt-Putt place. I forget the name of it. Flat Stick Pub. Yeah, Flat Stick Pub. Yeah. They're a cashless environment. You can't pay cash in there. I didn't know if you knew that. Oh, really? I oh. thought it was bonkers when I went in because I had cash on me and I was like, all right, I'll give you a card, but I'd rather pay you in cash. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I understand wanting You're a cashless environment. But for... For, in a bar scene, it's like, yeah. But, um, I mean, if they build it into their profit margins and so be it. But, yeah, I think it's a faster transaction. It's a cleaner transaction, less chance of fraud, and people aren't bringing vast sums of money into yeah. an environment where they might lose it, get robbed, so on and so forth. Okay. More no. secure. That was totally off topic. No. It was off but. topic, <laughs> but it, it, it ties back to me working within In your the field that I love. I love sport. Like my my life revolves around sport. People laugh at me for watching weekends. golf, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. You guys on our group message that were like, like, I am not passionate about like sport like you guys are, right? Like, I, like I'm passionate about cars, like wealth creation, like th- those are and being with people. Like if I had to narrow it down, like those would be my things. Like, and I like the chase of the wealth creation side. I like the beauty of cars. It's like, and I love people. Like, I don't energize by just totally relaxing. I energize by being with people. So if I could be with people in a car, going somewhere to hang out, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Well, on that, right? So I want to turn this round on you now, and I want you to right tell around. your story about how you're working in something that you're passionate about. But if I'd have asked you when you were at college I didn't know if you I was were going to be a wealth it. advisor. <laughs> so t- how did that happen? Yeah. And we know the kind of high level, but go into it. Yeah, more. no, people know the high, for the most part, I think the high level was I started investing when I was 15 years old, like, and it was something that I was passionate about, right? It's like I saw what money could do for you at a young age. And it's like I, I wanted to have the resources to be able to explore certain areas of life that others might not be able to unless mm-hmm. they had the financial resources and backing to do so. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start saving when I'm young. And I actually had, didn't have any idea what I was going to do. It was my senior year of college at Gonzaga. Got my accounting degree. I got my accounting degree purely because I needed a piece of paper that said I was a qualified individual. And so – um, <laughs> and so, you know, I grew up in a marketing family, right? So it's like I had a general understanding of what it's like to run a small family uh, company, what it's like to have, uh, you know, what marketing means, what a marketing plan looks like. And then thought, hey, you know what I really need now is a general understanding of numbers. Because uh, in, 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 in any business that you work in, you got to know numbers and you got to know marketing, right? And so... Uh, I was going to get an accounting degree. And then by the end of it, I thought I was going to go work at a big four accounting firm in Seattle on the west side, uh, most likely. And I was going to do that for a few years until I got burnt out. And then I was going to go into private or 
whatever else. I, di- I didn't really know. And then at the end of, like, right before graduation, I was like, what the hell am I doing? You're like, more of an accountant personality. I don't want to be an accountant. Like, I just did this to, to know the numbers. Like, I wanted to be, like, a business owner, like, do my own thing. Like, I didn't want to go work for a big corporation where they're telling me what to do and I'm making 40 grand a year working 60, 80 hours a week. Like, that sounds like some type of hell. And so it's like, if I'm going to do that, like, I'm going to do it for myself. I'm not going to do it for a salary. Like, what's the point of that? And so I remember when I was looking for jobs, I'm on indeed.com surfing away. My fingers are smoking, trying to find a job over here. And uh, it got narrowed down to an account executive position at a marketing agency, uh, excuse me, advertising agency here in Spokane, which has since become defunct. So thank God I didn't take that gig. Um, But again, something I'm passionate about growing up in a marketing family, small business. It was a startup. I liked that mentality. And um, then the... uh, other one was financial advising job at Waddell and Reed. Start at zero, create a book, get paid, bring on clients, help people, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, I remember being scared to death of it. Like, I kind of like that one. It's like, I kind of like the challenge of starting at zero and growing something and building something and helping people. And didn't some people tell you how hard it was and that kind of made you go, well, I'm going to fucking do it. I didn't really know many people that did it. Um, other than my parents' financial advisor at the time, who was kind enough to come and sit at the house with me when I was younger to help me start my first investment account, right? So I had that interaction. But other than that, that was my only interaction with financial advisors. Little did he know you were going to steal his customers. He thought I was going to be his biggest client. I remember him saying once, he's like, you'll probably become my biggest client. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That he's a good dude, actually. And if, if if anybody else is in town looking for one, doesn't want to work with me, I'd I'd recommend him. But um, and so it was it was not something I thought I was going to do, but it's something that kind of found me, right? Finance. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly times where I am not passionate about finance. <laughs> there are even areas within finance that I'm not passionate about, right? I am much more passionate about the relationships and people's stories and how Tell that us applies. About Bitcoin, ben. Bitcoin, yeah, and how that applies on a macro level. Whereas the analysts, right, they're on the back end, they're nerded out on the numbers, and that's what they're passionate about. So even within the industry of finance, it's not just all numbers, right? So I get to be the relationship. Ryan, Brian, Tim, some of the guys in our office get to be more, I mean, Tim is a dual role, but get to be more on the uh, analytics side where they love the numbers and they dig in the numbers and they study the charts and they started and they my clients get the benefit of their passion right so it's like if we can find areas within a similar industry where, that people are passionate about that are invigorated to, to be I mean I just think mm-hmm. everybody wins well Tim's another example of this because he told us his story when we had him on yeah Tim Mitrovich yeah he was a lawyer and M&A attorney yeah and yeah. broke he ended up broke and yeah changed it Turned it around, got that loan from his grandpa, right? Yep. M&A so. attorney going through a divorce, mm-hmm. had to pay out his ex-wife and yeah, broke as a skunk. Is that a thing? So I do <laughs> want to stick to your story though, because right now you're also, and I love this. So something you guys probably don't know about Ben is he, there's two things that he spends the most of his time online looking at, and it's not the stock market. <laughs> he looks at property prices and he looks at cars. That's very accurate. And 
Early last year, Ben called me. He's like, hey, I need to go to the Tri-Cities to pick up a car. Can we drive down <laughs> in my truck? And you drive the car back. Or do you drive the truck back? I drive the car back. I think he wanted me to drive the car. And I was like, no. I'll no, you, you, you actually said, like, I'm driving the nicest one back with my truck. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but to cut a long story short, he is engaged with someone he's passionate about. He said he's passionate about cars. Yeah. So he looks at cars. If he sees a good deal, he buys it, brings it home licenses it and sells it right yeah, yeah. so we did that we, we basically drove a, a, a former police car well, that wasn't a police that was car. actually a really nice car it, it was, was a mercury grand marquee baby what yeah. what but you made a has couple. since been wrecked the oh, guy i sold it to wrecked it you made a couple grand on that right yeah or give yeah. or take yeah so yeah i mean that's that's worth a, a trip plus and it was fun yeah he bought me lunch as well yeah. so it it's the chase of it right it's so, like i told you i love the chase of that yeah. stuff too but there's that and obviously you've got your rental property you're maybe yeah. looking at expanding that so those things that you're yeah. passionate about you're still doing and you're still putting yourself in the proximity of right? well and see at the end of the day though those things all go back to what i was talking about with like contributing towards and growing my network like that's all a game to me like mm -hmm. people say it's not like necessarily the love of money it's the chase for me like i love to see my net worth go up because it's like a game in my mind like it's like it's like seeing the score on the scoreboard go up right it's like yeah it's like i want to have the highest points on the board like i want to win and i know that that's not winning in life it's having the most amount of money but it's just a fun game in my mind right mm -hmm. like i can separate the two like i know money doesn't equal happiness at the end of the day yeah. but it sure is fun and then you know we're going to have a, a really great interview here coming up in an industry that bends into do you want to talk about well i won't i won't ruin it but we're going to have an interview coming up in an industry that ben's really interested in and he met with them pre-interview last week or this week to last week last yeah. week to to pick their brains and find out what it takes to be in that industry so now yeah. he has a better understanding of that and it may be something that he does in the future so i guess yeah ownership investing into something like that a business like that yeah so i talk often about entree leadership i think you do too which is the not as often as you but yeah podcast but um ken coleman was the original host of that right mm -hmm. and he's got a book called the proximity principle and i think this is kind of what we're talking about today that you don't have to work in a perfect job but you can work in the perfect industry and sometimes the perfect industry slash job for you for you isn't what you thought it was yeah and then if we extrapolate that out and apply it in other places if i think about where I thought I was going to be at 39 years old. Spokane, Washington wasn't it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> right? If, if you'd said to Ben that uh, some things about his life that are, are true right now, he'd probably be like, hmm, yeah, I didn't ever think I was going to be doing that at this time with that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think you're you're on the right, I guess what I'm saying is you can be on the right path and not know you're on the right path. And there's transferable skills from so many things that you yeah. think you want to do. Um, and more than any other time, we're, we're kind of at this precipice or this crossroads where people had a wake-up call last year when life was basically shut down, things were taken away, people worked remotely. Often people were like, I don't ever want to have to go back into that office. And a lot of people made changes or maybe it wasn't even an office. Maybe it was, I don't ever want to drive that truck. I don't ever want to see those people I work with. They're, they're fixed mindset people. I'm a growth mindset person. Whatever it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's okay if you're, if you're happy with that as well. But I think we, we're at this point in time now where so many people 
are looking for additional revenue streams. They're thinking, I was heavy in this industry and it disappeared for a month, yeah, two months, some people nine yeah. months. What should I do? How can I do it? You got to think that a lot of your clients mm-hmm. are thinking that in the restaurant industry, like, oh, I need a, I need something else to buffer my income here. Yeah. So I guess where I'm going with that is it's okay to change directions. It's okay to pick out what you're passionate about, what you love, what you want to do, and figure out a way to make a living from it. It doesn't have to be as the the the, the example Ken Coleman uses all the time is a movie industry. He's mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of people making movies all over the country. You don't have to go to Hollywood, right? You have someone in your office that makes movies for your office, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, videographer. Yeah. Now, when he wanted to get into that, I bet he had Hollywood dreams. Now he's doing it in Spokane for himself. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. In a sweet office. Yeah, it is a sweet office. The new office. Ben's new office is cool, by the way. Um, if you want to come by and see it, people, hit you us up. Could, um, <laughs> you could work in the movie industry for a church. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They always have things. Volunteering on the weekends. You can work in the movie industry for a media company, Mm. you know, remotely. You can be, the other one I talk about is graphic design, right? You don't need to go to school to be a graphic designer. You can, if you're good at it, watch some YouTube videos, learn how to use Photoshop, buy Photoshop, right? I guess. I think with anything though, it it takes practice and time, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, yeah, you can become proficient at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's certainly things that schooling will provide that will accelerate the education in a pretty logical manner. But I don't think that discredits your yeah. saying that, like, hey, get on YouTube, read the books, put in the time, because that's all it is at the end of the day is putting in the time. I had an analogy, and I was, just thought about this, right? Oh, it's going to be. It's better be profound. And, and I don't know if it is or not, but I'm going <laughs> to say it anyway. <laughs> it's like everybody wants. They, they want it and they want it right now, right? And they're not willing to put in the work or they think they're not on the path. And that's where they're always going with this. You were talking about sometimes you're on the path to where you want to be and you don't even know it, right? And this is the analogy of a brick house that I was thinking about. It's like everybody wants the brick house, right? I'm not saying everybody does it. Just go with me, right? And we're building this house brick by brick. And initially it doesn't look like a house. And you keep laying these bricks down and you keep laying bricks down and you're like, what the hell is this pile of brick? Like I don't see anything here. But eventually, it's like when you actually have laid down enough bricks, you start to see the four walls of the house, you know? And then you're like, oh, wait, I'm building a house. And then you can start to build out the roof line in the front door. And like, things start to come into view as you lay down more bricks, is what I'm getting at here. And sometimes you don't even know what you're doing or what you're building. You're just laying down bricks and you're hoping that it works. And guess what? Like, that's how it works. I think everybody wants a clear path to success and everybody wants a clear path, like in their direction in life. But like in reality, there is no clear path or direction in life. Sometimes you might get a clear indication of the direction you're supposed to go, but you might not even know what the path is. So you just got to start laying down bricks and eventually you'll see the four walls and then eventually you'll have enough knowledge to be able to figure out how to build a roof line and put a roof over it all, right? And have it be the brick house that you want it to be. But that takes time. And sometimes you don't even get to see what it is until you have the four walls up. That was my analogy. I like that. I don't want a builder that doesn't have a plan when he's building a house though. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Although I do know builders and joiners, or sorry, carpenters, they call them here, that um, a joiner is a carpenter. Yeah, I know a joiner, yeah. Uh, 
that Good can throw a house up by memory. They don't need a plan, which is awesome. And I've watched that happen. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, they get so good at their craft. Yeah. So back to uh, Tyler and, and what he talked about. So yeah, his thing Lafferty. was, his book is called Be More Like You, right? Yeah. So Very straightforward. It's straightforward. <laughs> Be more like you. But I want to I take that concept and I want to just, anybody listening to this that's waking up and going to work, waking up and being in a relationship they don't want to be in, waking up and and feeling unfulfilled in any way, whether that be with your health, your fitness, relationships, job, um, what you do on weekends, you know, you're not good enough at a hobby or whatever it is. The way to get better at anything is definitely that proximity principle. Put yourself within the same proximity mm -hmm. of people that are trying to be better at that or are already really good at it, right? Yeah. And I guess the proximity thing is what I think is most important when it comes to making change, positive changes in your life or deciding I'm I'm already doing this and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Now i got to figure out what I want to do. Yeah. And that well, in and of itself is positive, right? Yep. And you might not know what it is. Maybe you have to try some things. Maybe you have to experiment a little bit. Maybe you have to dip yes. your toe in the water. Start take a laying chance, bricks. Right? See, what, see what happens. So there, there's the other thing. Often we get caught in routine. Yeah. And we don't take chances Because it's easy. Talk about that, Ben. What happens if you don't take risks Well, that's what I was going to say. Is a, a lot of the time is you don't know necessarily what path you're going to go down or what it is. And the risk is just starting because if you wait for a clear path, you'll never do anything, i.e. you get stuck in a routine, right? It's like sometimes people, the best thing that they have is that they lose their job, right? And that's the catalyst for change. You were talking about, you know, change can be okay. I'll even say change can be like the right thing, the very right thing to do sometimes. But people are too scared and unmotivated to make the change and take the risk. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, that's that, That's what it's all about, really, at the end of the day. It's like nothing risk, nothing gained, right? It's like everybody's heard that phrase before, too. And in the markets, right, if you don't put any money in the market, you don't risk a little bit of money in the market, you're not going to get any return. You could get an infinite return on zero, and it's still zero. Yeah. you got to put some money in the market and take some risk. So here's the analogy. Ooh, another analogy. I want you to, I know you've experienced this. <laughs> Gosh. I have friends like this, you have friends like this, right? You go out for lunch with them and you go to, or dinner, whatever it is, you go to this exquisite restaurant, right? Because let's face it, we like to eat. <laughs> and we like to eat well. And they order something and you're like, that's what you're going to order? Like, why wouldn't you try crab? Why wouldn't you try, yeah. and you... I don't, uh, I don't really like seafood. And it's like, wait, all seafood? You've tried it all? <laughs> or, oh, I'm a vegan. I don't eat meat. Well, wait, why? I don't like chicken. Well, what about steak? What about <laughs> venison? Like chicken. <laughs> like, come on. Like, let's... Like, okay, and I'm, I'm I, interested I, to see where you're going with this. So I totally respect people's <laughs> um, choices. But often, if they're willing to try some things, right... If I, Be so pleasantly for instance, surprised. Haggis. Yeah. I love haggis. It's the heart, lungs, and liver of a sheep mixed with oatmeal and spices. Yeah, see, right? that's the one that I'm National on dish of Scotland. <sighs> if I didn't tell you it was haggis and served it to you and you ate it, you would love it. Second, I told you what it was, right? So the whole risk thing, if you don't get outside your comfort zone and try new things. Yeah. So 
let me let me put this in perspective. I love cheeseburgers. I gave them up for Lent. Did I tell you that? Yeah. So he did. I'm I'm a weekend of no cheeseburgers and no bread. So so say so your face looks skinnier. Well, that's other things, but that helps. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been working hard. I told you I've yeah. trimmed down since Christmas, and I'm lifting really heavy just now. But you're you're distracting me here. I guess what I'm saying is that I go to a restaurant, fancy restaurant especially a fancy restaurant there's things on the menu i want right there's things yeah. that jump out at you yeah do you know what i do i ask the waiter or waitress what their favorite thing is oh yeah yep. all right i'll have one of those and i'll get what i'm getting yeah i want to try it yeah you think absolutely. that's the best thing on your menu you're the expert you're the subject yeah, matter I'll expert go with it. i'll take that chance dude i had that happen last week when we were in scottsdale Mm-hmm. We're down there, and um, we go to this restaurant. It's supposed to be a really good restaurant. And uh, they're escorting me to the restroom. And I ask uh, the gal, I'm like, hey, what what, uh, what what would you get off the menu? She goes, well, I work here. And on my birthday, I came and I got the chicken. Like, on my birthday, I came here to get the chicken. And I'm like, damn, chicken? like, that must be some good chicken. If you <laughs> And I, I ordered the chicken because it's like, you know what? If this girl thinks it's the best chicken that she's had, like, fine i'll order the chicken i'll take a risk on that oh it was damn good chicken it was a really good chicken it's and uh we were with some friends so you know there's no covid in arizona so it's okay (laughs) and so i I gave them all a bite of this chicken and everybody's like oh my god i should have got the chicken like what restaurant do you hear that though like you would have looked at the menu and you would have been like i can get chicken anywhere like i'm not ordering chicken like i'm gonna get you know whatever but the, the gal said, order the chicken. So I ordered the chicken, and it, it did not disappoint. So here's the beauty of that, right, to get back on my point that I was trying to make. <laughs> um, it can go one of two ways. You can put it in your mouth and spit it back out, and it's awful, but you, you tried it. Yeah. Or you might have a new favorite dish. Yeah. You've got someone to rave about now, like, hey, this is all good, but thank you for recommending that because I'd never tried that. I wouldn't have tried that. Yeah. You're my hero. You're getting a better tip. So if, again, metaphors and analogies, extrapolate that out to life. There's something that you've never tried, or you might think, oh, I kind of want to do that, but yeah. I'm cautious. I've got another one. Go for it. I've got another one. And I, you say seafood, like you don't like seafood, all seafood. I am not a seafood person. Like I hate the taste of fish. You are a seafood person. You see it, you eat it. That, yeah, I'm a different type. <laughs> I'm S-E-E, not S-E-A. So... Years ago, story. we were in Boston for a work meeting, for a work event for, for, for me. And so we're, I mean, Boston, like, of course, you're going to have seafood in Boston of all places, right? Clam chowder. And so clam chowder. <laughs> you know, lobster roll. No, I don't know what lobster. But so Lauren and I go out to dinner. And again, I'm not a seafood person. And we're in Boston on the harbor. Like, guess what you're going to eat? Because that's what they serve. And so one of the most memorable meals of my life. Like there's a couple of meals I can point to that are memorable. It is clams, lobster roll, like beef tartare, which again wouldn't normally have a raw yes. meat, and like You're all of these things. Language, and I was like, oh my god! Like everything minus the oyster shooters, like delicious, delicious. Like and guess what? When we were ordering that food, I'm sitting there like breaking out in a sweat. Like this is not my comfort zone. This is not my comfort zone. But it was really good. One of your favorite meals ever? One of my favorite meals ever. Yeah. See? Do you eat more seafood now? 
I do. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't even eat sushi back then, and now I'll eat sushi. I'll eat a lot more stuff now. It's so expanded is, my palate. This is my uh, conundrum with seafood. Right I live right. in Spokane, Washington. This is the furthest inland I've ever lived. Well, but yeah, be selective with what you eat. So, fresh fish here isn't fresh fish, first and foremost. Well, it depends, yeah. Um, if it's caught out of a lake or I if it's caught out of a... I don't to say this. I'm probably never going to work with them, so... We have a seafood restaurant. I'm not going to say their name, actually. We have a seafood restaurant a stone's throw away from here, <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah, it absolutely it. sucks. Beautiful place, great view, wonderful location. Their oh, food. not this one, that one over there. Yeah, yeah. their food. Bang average. I always say that it's a fancy Perkins. That's, that's been nice about it. Yeah. I've been there multiple times. Good patio. Like I said, lovely location. Yeah. I want to buy it, and I want to make it something better. <laughs> I know. Um, that's a that's a, one of the things about Spokane. Yeah. Great re- locations for some of our restaurants, but subpar restaurants in those l- particular locations are like, yeah. gosh, this could it's, be a, it's a travesty. killer place. So, that, like I said, this is the furthest inland I've ever lived. I love seafood. Like, regularly go to the grocery store, buy lobster, make steak and lobster, steak and shrimp. Um, those kind of things I'm not Surf as worried about. But actual fish? Yeah. I don't eat as much here as I probably would if I lived coastal. Hmm. So I'm probably going to live on the But you coastal. lived in Chicago. Again. Like, are you, does the lake count? Isn't yeah, that there's, like there's good seafood there. So, um, I mean, you talked about inland. That's like not, middle not of Not Lake Michigan, but, um, and you've got, you've got the same here, but like fish fries in Wisconsin and Illinois are wonderful because they're usually like a walleye or... Um, White fish or something? Is yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So. Hmm. So now that we're getting off topic. Yeah. <laughs> So. You get us talking about food, though. It's guaranteed to go off topic. <laughs> we're like, food? Where? Huh? Yeah. I need that. So, Ben. But, you know, another thing we're passionate about. We just identified something that we are mutually passionate about, food, which we should probably open a Did restaurant. Did I give you an idea point. talking about that restaurant? I've had that idea for years. God, it could be so beautiful. It could be so great. I'm like, it's, it needs, like, money dumped into the building itself to redo it, and it needs a kick-ass menu that is not... From the fifties, yeah, it's like in the patterns of the textiles in there, and just the rolling chairs. I'm like, do I have to have an AARP card to come in here? I mean, like, what is going on? (laughs) I love that we're talking cryptically and we haven't named the place, but anybody from Spokane knows who we're talking about. Where we're talking about overlooks the water. (laughs) Did you know as well, actually, that they're part of a large chain of restaurants? Yeah, I did. Like twenty of them in the state. Yeah, so you think they'd get their stuff together? Yeah. Um, so find an industry you're passionate about. Let's talk though about breaking it down to getting to the industry itself. Like, because I think there is a a process probably that could be implemented. I don't know hundred percent know when necessarily what that process is, but I think some of it is done by trial and error to be honest. Right. So in finance, I'll use this as an example and we'll, we'll, we'll just cause I know finance, right? If you're working at 10 capital, you would come into 10 capital as an intern probably don't know what you want to do. I don't do. want to be an intern. I want to be the CEO. Okay, you can do that. So you come in as the intern, though, because we already have a CEO. Okay, and I'll be CEO. We could probably use one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out, Steve. <laughs> Edit that out, Steve. <laughs> I'm glad we're all laughing about this. Tim, laugh. <laughs> so you come in as an intern. You'd probably look at the advisors and want to be an advisor. First and foremost, because they have the most flexibility with their time and they're the highest paid, just being 
honest here, right? You'd probably want to be an advisor. You might find out that the, though that the first five years of being an advisor are absolutely pure hell and you don't want to actually go through what it takes to be an advisor. Then you look at analytics. You have a salary position with benefits, option to bring on some clients to pad your income, and you get to work with numbers and don't have to have the pressure of the sales side of it. Hmm, might be enticing, you right? You excited there. I got excited. You were all excited when you were talking. Your hands were going in. I do that. I talk with my hands. Okay, it's like it's that uh, eastern side of the, of the country, which I don't have any from the eastern side of the country. But okay. it comes out. Finish your story. And so, or you might want to be on the client manager side. Like I don't want to have to deal with any clients. I don't like numbers, but I'm very process oriented, and I like you know process. I like money. I like the whole idea of you know the market. And so I'm going to help on the more client manager side, where I'm assisting advisors in planning, setting, taking care of clients. So. But you don't really know what your role is going to be a lot of the time until you get into it. Laura and I had a discussion uh, about lifestyle, too. Sorry about that. That wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> so keep going. I'll have to edit that. Keep, people keep, uh, the executive leadership keeps asking for access to that video. It's in my Google Drive. <laughs> so, yeah, go. So Lauren and I had a discussion. My wife is a dental hygienist. And so this is also, though, like with jobs, something that they don't talk about very often is lifestyle aligning with passions and passions aligning with lifestyle, too. Because a lot of people, you know, oh, I want to be a high-powered CEO. Awesome. You want to be a high-powered CEO. You're going to work hard. You're going to have to give up a lot of time, work a lot, long, long, 60, 80-hour weeks to make that happen, to get to that point where you get the right to be the CEO of the company or you start it, you take the risks, you're the CEO of the company. Well, I don't want to do all that. Well, okay, then that doesn't align with the lifestyle that you want to live, right? I just want to be the CEO. So do you want to be the guy who gets to do the soccer coaching in the evenings? You know, I get off at 4 o'clock, I'm going to go home, get everything together for the kids, prep a little bit for the soccer team, and then the next three hours I'm going to go and I'm going to teach soccer. It's like, well... You're unlikely to become a CEO in your respective field, unless it be at soccer, that gets to live that lifestyle. Or you're already the CEO, and then you get to do it. But mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I know so, exactly like, Lauren, only makes money sitting chair side, right? Can't just take off and go pick up the kids and pick up the work later. It's like, ah, 10 o'clock, I'll jump back on, answer emails, do that stuff. So I think it's important that people also, when they're considering their industries and the roles within the industries that they're passionate about, that they consider the lifestyle that they want to live as well. So I can shorten what you just talked about to (laughs) five seconds. Okay, let's hear it. You can't have a minimum wage work ethic and a million dollar dream. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Minimum wage, work ethic, million dollar dream. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have a million dollar dream, but mm-hmm. I think the reality is you just got to know that you're never actually going to accomplish your dreams. That's a, as a dream. It's not a goal. Yeah. So to get into that, this is where often people get into what they believe. And we haven't really addressed this. People get in, they, they set these goals early and they get to live their dream lifestyle and their dream, what they thought was their dream job. And they often realize this isn't what I wanted at all mm-hmm. so five years in ten years in the retooling the retraining they were motivated by the wrong things so it's okay to your point it's okay to try and fail right I know it's, it's not even people, failure I know a lot of people <laughs> that have law degrees that tried the oh, legal yeah. thing for a year oh, or yeah. two and basically said F this I'm out yep boom I do too mic. I passed the bar exam I've got my legal degree I'm going to go and work in a different 
yeah, I'm done. industry. Yeah. Or this branch of law isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be putting in 80 hour weeks as yep. an intern yeah. or as an associate. Yep. I want to be, you know, I'll, I'll work up to that. I'll get to, I'll go work at a firm that ends at five every day mm-hmm. and, you know, isn't all about the billable hours or something like that. 100%. So it's not just that industry, but lots of times people get what they think they wanted and it's okay yeah. to go, yeah, this isn't what I wanted. I'm going to retool. Well, I mean, think about how many times people change career or career path, career paths, we'll say, in college, right? They change their degree. That's right, because they learn a little more than they find out. And Tyler talked about this in his book with uh, a young individual, a young boy who came to him saying, hey, do you have any connections in the accounting industry? I'd like to chat with somebody who's an accountant. And uh, yeah, Tyler introduced him to it. Young gentleman got to go sit down, shadow an accountant for... Uh, a day came back. So I was like, "How was your job shadow?" The dullest day of his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How was your job shadow? How was the thing that you thought you were passionate about? And he's like, "Well, I figured one thing out. I don't want to be an accountant, right?" So it's like the more knowledge you get of a particular industry, the more you find out it's not something that you were truly passionate about. You might have been passionate about the idea of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's a big thing to understand. It's like, are you passionate about the idea of it, or are you actually passionate about? the struggle of it and the reality of that industry and that job and that role. Because a lot of people from an advisor perspective are really, I'm doing air quotes here, passionate about being a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. They're passionate about making a lot of money is what they're passionate about, yeah. right? They want to they, they have flexibility with their time and make a lot of money. Well, great, who doesn't? Everybody wants to be make a lot of money and have flexibility with their time. But you got to love the people that you work with. You got to love the industry that you do it or else it will, I tell young people get into the industry. If you get into it for the money, it will chew you up, spit you out and you will be a depressed alcoholic within 10 years. Guaranteed. So in high school in Scotland, this is another, it's kind of connected, but I thought it's a funny story. So I'm going to tell it. I like it. High school in Scotland. Already I like it. We do this program. It's called work experience. Really original, right? But essentially there's two ways to do it. You can source somebody, something, an industry, mum, dad, uncle, aunt, Ben's an architect, I want to go and shadow him for a week. And you do, you go and, like, they, it was just like this vocational thing that they did for a week where you go and you, you learn if that's truly the industry you want to be in, right? Well, <laughs> for me, it was like, well, every professional club in the country gets thousands of letters from students saying, hey, I want to come and do my work experience at uh-huh. Celtic Football Club, at Manchester United, whatever it was, right? So it was, I was like, okay, that's not going to happen. So then I looked at the list that they had. So there was ones that the school had sought out and it's like, boring, 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 F that, screw that, nope, nope. So there was one. And I told you, my family, very, very much mariners. Mm-hmm. Coast Guard. I have no interest in being in the Coast Guard whatsoever. But I'm like, boats, helicopters, yeah. Sounds pretty sweet. Rescue, that's kind of cool. So sure enough, I I did that, right? And I was like, I want that one. And I remember the counsellor at the school at the time was like, what? No, like, you want to be in the sport? Like, you can go to a physiotherapist's office. I was like, what the hell? Want to watch somebody rub somebody for a week? No. Like, why, why would I do that? I want to go in a helicopter. And then they were like, so is this something? You, no, but 
yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up at the Coast Guard for a week. I went up in helicopters. I was out in boats. Which sounds awesome. I was, like, I got to see how they go and do rescues. and I, like, I'm, I wasn't, like, in a winch or anything like that up and down, but... They, they took us and showed us some really cool things. So I was more about the experience. Than I was going to say, you were like, it well, was fun for a week. Experience. It was just like, I'm going to get off school for a week and do cool shit. Yeah, which so. if, I, if somebody <laughs> told me to choose one of those two, I'd be like, yeah, helicopters and boats. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. anything that was like doctor's offices and lawyers and, hey, you can go and, I mean, I think there was one of them was like um, garbage man, like a bin man. Yeah. And I was like, no, like I'm going to do something cool. So I found the coolest one, I think. And there was only one position and I got it. I guess nobody else picked it. So when I'm when I, when we all come back the next week to school, right? And we were like 16, 17. Everybody's talking about how cool their week was or how shitty their week was. What did you do, Stephen? Well, I went up in a helicopter and boat, out on these boats and up like there. We were, they were showing us where they do rescue exercises and everybody <laughs> just hated me for it like i picked the wrong one to do for the week but yeah. you know what those people got learned a valuable lesson yeah maybe something that they don't want to do in the future yeah I you to too probably cool I, I don't know i've always been like that i've always been the one that i'm like okay is this is this something that's truly going to set me up for success and i'll do it yeah or is this something that oh, i can have a cool experience here so i'm going to yeah do no that. that's like some sometimes you go to business conferences right and you're like i can really go to that meeting and waste an hour and a half but I'm going to go to lunch with my buddies. <laughs> or Which I'm going to go valuable. to lunch with some centers of influence who are my buddies as yeah, well, by the yeah. way. So. No, I love it. That's good. Yeah. So just to wrap things up here a little bit, like digging down into the industry, finding your – I think – and Tyler's book does a better job of breaking it out. But it's like – so you want to be a basketball player. Yeah, I want to be a basketball player. Okay, well, you're not tall enough to be a basketball player. You're not athletically gifted enough. Whatever it is to be a basketball player. Like maybe – Look at basketball. Like, what are the areas of basketball? You know what's the other interesting part? It's like, so you can like basketball. You're like, but I'm also really good at numbers. It's like, oh, interesting. So you have two passions there. It's like, maybe you can align those two passions. And like, where's the overlap within the jobs of sports and numbers? Okay. It's like, oh, maybe you're a statistician in sports. Right? That could be fun. Maybe you're an accountant for a team. Maybe the CFO for the team, right? So it's like stepping back and even writing down what your passions are and Venn diagram that type of stuff, right? <laughs> Where is the overlap in these? Because I think when you really sit back and you look at it, there's probably some overlap within passions. I mean, there is for me when you look at mine. Yeah. And it's not always obvious, right? No. It's not always obvious. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So don't... It's okay to say no to opportunities. It's not okay to say no to every opportunity. 100%. I think at some point you've got to take a chance and try some things. It's like, like you in Boston. Have some seafood. Yeah, have some seafood. But you really don't like oysters in the half shell? You know what? I even had oysters uh, last weekend just to try them again, and they were fine. How are you eating them? Like, do you Sliders, shooters. But are you squeezing lemon or anything in yeah. there? Or? Yeah, squeeze a lemon over top of them and then Any shoot hot it. sauce? Didn't do any hot sauce. Dude... You're missing out. And it's not that I won't have it. It's just that, like, eh. Where, were you, where did you have the oysters last weekend? Arizona. Place down there. <laughs> Another place. In the desert. Yeah. <laughs> seems like a solid place to try fresh oysters. <laughs> in hell. Uh, I'm going to take you for oysters. Okay. 
we're going to go to Portland to my favorite restaurant. I've talked about it. Yeah, Ox. You, I know you do a lot of talking. And they What's have it called? Um, Ox. Okay, see so the place we had down in Arizona was called Fat Ox. Okay, so no, I, I think when you get them coastal, mm-hmm. and you've got a selection, I'll pick good ones for you. Did yours have any grit or anything in them? No, they're smooth. All right. Yeah. weren't too salty. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> she must have been talking about you then. <laughs> It's All too right. salty. Have you got anything to say before we finish? I up, don't. You know what? If you're in a... Oh, well, I always say I don't, and then I do. <laughs> I lied. It's like, if you're in an industry that you're not passionate about, don't necessarily quit your job at this point, unless you feel like that's going to be the only catalyst to motivate you to change. But, like, step back. Do the Venn diagram. Write down your passions. Write down the things you're, that you enjoy doing. And find something else. Like... It really is. At the end of the day, it's like life is too short to do something that you hate. Like I can't imagine going to work every day and dreading what you do. Like that would suck. I can't imagine leaving work and going home to something that sucked. As All well. of the above. So. <laughs> All yeah. of the above. Don't be that. Don't do that. You know what would be a good goal? What would be a good goal? To never go somewhere that you're dreading. Like I don't want to go anywhere that I'm dreading going. Uh, I've had some good things come from things that I was dreading doing. But I guess in my head when I was saying that, I was also thinking about our risk conversation about eating seafood in Boston. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which ended up being one of the best meals. So, you know what? Maybe that's exactly what you need to do sometimes. Yeah. Go somewhere you're dreading. Yeah. There you go. We turned your bad advice into good advice. <laughs> All right. If you guys could like, review, share, tell someone... Um, let us know whether we're doing a good job, bad job, whatever it is. We would really appreciate that. We would appreciate on that. all the platforms, whether it's social medias or wherever you consume the podcasts. Yeah, and until the next time, be good to yourselves and each other and us. Boom. <laughs>